Hello and welcome to another SPAC Insider podcast. I'm Nick Clayton, and this week my colleague Marlena Haddad and I will be speaking with Mark Bell, CEO and co-founder of Terran Orbital. Terran Orbital entered a $1.5 billion combination agreement with Tailwind 2 Acquisition Corp. in October. Terran is building the world's largest satellite manufacturing facility in Florida. It aims to be the first pure-play space company that has vertically integrated all the way from its supply chain to the cosmos. Tailwind 2 co-CEO and CFO Matt Ebby also joins us to discuss the SPAC side of the transaction and its unique mix of financing tools. We also get into how to best evaluate space targets now that there are suddenly multiple public-listed space ventures out there. Take a listen. So just to start, Mark, I, I want to get into your background a little bit. You know, for a, a long time, rather than space, you were focused on underground infrastructure with Globix. But you know, through Mark Bell Capital, you've been focused on space opportunities for quite some time. What first got you looking at opportunities in orbit? So it, it first happened actually back at Globix. We ran 28,000 miles of fiber around the world. But we realized that, that there were some places we couldn't reach. Uh, it was predominantly Eastern Europe. So we started building ground stations throughout Eastern Euro- Europe to service the ISPs there and buying satellite transponder space. And uh, this is a company that we called NetSat Express that we later merged into Globecom. Great, great. And you know, another interesting thing in your background is just that you're among the few target company CEOs that we see that has also been on the other side of a SPAC deal with Enterprise Acquisition Corp. Albeit, you know, in a very different market back in, in 2009. But you know, what changes have you seen in the SPAC market since then, and how did those factor into your decision to go the SPAC route? Uh, the reason we decided to go public with uh, SPAC versus an IPO or a direct listing is it gives us the ability for uh, con- 100% confidence that we're going to close versus an IPO or direct listing, you've got market risk. You take out that market risk with a SPAC. And having a lot of experience back, we, did, we took our SPAC public in 2007 called Enterprise Acquisition. It was a $250 million SPAC. Uh, 2009, the market wasn't so good and it was different. There weren't pipes back then, you didn't have other vehicles. So we ended up with a $25 million SPAC when we de-SPAC'd into a mortgage REIT uh, that today is on the New York Stock Exchange, it's called Armour Residential REIT, has about $8 billion of assets, and it's probably one of the most successful SPACs in the history of SPACs. So we're very lucky that you know, we picked the right partners, and in this case, we were looking for partners, and we interviewed, I don't even know, dozens and dozens of SPACs. And we were thrilled to meet Tailwinds too, and met Ebby and his team. It was, you know, these were founders, smart guys, they knew space. It wasn't new to them with all their successes there. And uh, we wanted partners that we really could work with. And they were, they were, they, we picked them to do our SPAC. Great. And so, I mean, to you, Matt, you know, Tailwind 2 initially IPO'd with a focus on finding a target in the kind of the direct-to-consumer product space. But, you know, the beauty of SPACs is that, you know, you, you assemble teams with like really wide variety of expertise and you can find a lot of things out there. What were some of the things that led you over to space as a sector and what made Terran really stand out? So I think Tailwind and our, our franchise, you know, we have three, we have three SPACs in, in, in the market right now. Um, we've always been focused on finding um, companies in, in sectors that are being disrupted by technology. Right and 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 being disrupted by the technology that that company owns, right? That that company has built, right? And and I think um, you know to go sort of a layer down, we've been focused on companies that are founder led, right? Uh, all all of the folks that are part of the Tailwind team 
um, have been founders of firms, companies, um, whether, whether, you know, venture firms, private equity firms, operating businesses, financial service firms, right? So we, we're all founders ourselves and that have um, worked with founders for a long time and are really passionate about working with founder-led companies. And so space is a, as a category, what interested us is it's obviously a, a very big category, no pun intended, right? Um, and it's a, um, it's a ca- category where, Technology is very important, um, and the technology of companies like Terran um, are disrupting what is being done in space, right? The, the advent of the NanoSat and what Mark and his team have built is a, a real technological shift change and improvement that is creating um, the opportunity for this company. Um, and then we had a great founding uh, founder and, and leadership team um, and Mark and his team, and that, and that got us really excited about um, them going out and executing against this big opportunity. And so Terran also stands out from many of the other space companies that we've seen go public via SPACs and its focus on vertically integrating its business from manufacturing through to orbit. So could you describe that approach, Mark? And, and do you plan to vertically integrate 100% of your supply chain? So all the companies we've ever built, and this is our fifth unicorn now, we've always vertically integrated. We, we want to control our destiny. In order to do that, we need to control our suppliers. And so we make 85% of all our components in-house now. And our goal is within three years to make 100% of our components in-house. It ensures quality, speed, access, and, you know, and especially in this market of uh, unreliable suppliers uh, doing, due to COVID, chip shortages, and everything else, it helps a lot controlling your supply chain. Right, definitely. And then on the hardware side, what competitive advantage do Terran designs hold over satellites currently in orbit? And what capabilities like being able to track moving objects bring to the table? You know, uh, Terran Orbital is considered the pioneer of this whole small sat revolution. Our subsidiary Tyvek was founded by Dr. Jordi Pugswari, who was a co-inventor of the CubeSat. So we really were the first people to launch small satellites into space, into low Earth orbit. And, and we helped enable originally by selling parts to everybody else to, so they could get into this business. We then decided to get out of the parts business and start building the satellites ourselves. And everything, like you say, you know, sat- space situation awareness, you know, debris in space from electro-optical imaging to RF to communications, 5G. You know, we're, we're payload agnostic, so we're predominantly a bus provider. I mean, we build the guts of the satellite, and then the payload, what goes with it for the special mission, some of it we build like synthetic aperture radar, some of it other people build like optical lenses, but we integrate that all together into one package. Great, and I want to turn to the 660,000 square foot manufacturing facility that is sort of the project at the heart of this transaction from a financing standpoint. So what you're, you're building there, it's slated to be massive with, with 10 satellite manufacturing lines at a capacity to turn out about 1,000 satellites per year. Um, can you put in perspective just how that scale compares with the competition and existing satellite manufacturing capacity in the world? We, to the best of our knowledge, this is the largest satellite manufacturing facility in the world three times larger than anything owned by anybody else here in the United States. It is a one kilometer long from end to end approximately. It's huge. And, and that's just, and the other thing about it, everyone talks about launch. Everyone talks about, you know, 50,000 satellites are gonna get launched over the next 10 years. You hear about this all the time, but somebody's gotta build them and no one ever talks about who's actually building them. And so we will continue to expand. And the best part about the financing here, this isn't a use of proceeds from the SPAC. Only a small amount of the SPAC use of proceeds goes to this. 
this is being financed entirely by almost entirely by Space Florida. So this is an additional financing coming into the company to help us achieve our growth. So the money from the SPAC is going to go for short-term expansion, then the money from Space Florida goes to long-term expansion. One other thing I'd mention there is I think Mark uses this as sort of a teaser. Right? One of the things that really got us excited about this, this company is the relationship they have with big manufacturers, right? They want to build big manufacturing, but they've got a strong, deep, long-term relationship with Lockheed Martin in particular, right? Lockheed Martin is an investor in this company. Lockheed Martin is, um, you know, one of the category leaders in satellite manufacturing and uh, Terran Orbital is literally the small sat manufacturing um, uh, uh, component for, um, uh, or partner for um, Lockheed Martin. Great, great. And so we talked about how some of the, the big uh, near-term projects you have and some of the, the CapEx is, is going to be handled. But uh, you know, moving over to the revenue side, how many of the contracts in your revenue pipeline right now are sort of concrete? And from a timeline perspective, when do you expect to see more firm agreements start to stack up? You know, we're going to see, we filed our S4 with the SEC, so I've got to stick to uh, what's in that. But he, here's what I could tell you is that, you know, we, we have, a, we're ending the year with, a, with, we're very comfortable with our backlog. We're very comfortable with our pipeline that we put out in the S4. Uh, we're comfortable with the numbers that we've put out there. They're a spectacular partner, as Matt said. We're very lucky. We will build satellites now if you li- up to 500 kilograms for Lockheed. So we started off with small CubeSats. Now we're b- building things the size of refrigerators. And so we're building larger and larger satellites, cramming more and more technology, but at an incredibly lower cost than you could have done 10 years ago. Great. A large portion of your business looks to be made up of defense contracts. So what typically are the differences in scale and contract length between deals you're striking with the government versus the private sector? You know, we, we, we love working with the U.S. government, you know, and then working to help the national interest and national security. And the U.S. government always pays their bills. And so it, it lo- lowers our credit risk dramatically. We obviously do work with commercial providers as well, both domestically and abroad. But we, our focus really has been on the national security side of the house. And we've carved a niche out as one of the last independent manufacturers here in the U.S. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, talk within Space Force, uh, to have diversity among the primes. And with new entrants like us, it gives us a big competitive advantage. If I can just add one other competitive advantage to in, 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 in that channel of, of the market, right? I think the team that Mark has built and assembled here gives them a very distinct competitive advantage. Um, and it's one of the things that really impressed us about um, what Mark had done um, with the, you know, a, a, with, with the company to date, right? And, and that team consists, the senior leadership team consists of many folks who spent a lot of time on the other side of the, the table, if you will, and were designing the budgets, uh, helping to shape the budgets and helping to shape the understanding of, of really sort of what the, 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 the government, US government was looking for from a product perspective, from a service perspective, um, and then are now able to help deliver that. And so the broader availability of satellites for businesses is still a relatively new phenomenon. So what uses for Terran orbital solutions are the sorts of things that most people might not think about? Oh, there's so many things. I mean, you think of it as we can monitor for global warming. We can monitor the ice floats. We can monitor uh, crop yields and, you know, to help with uh, solving hunger problems. We can monitor the Brazilian rainforest to see what is illegal logging. We can um, 
the, the, it's endless. We can we can look at Florida the day before and day after a hurricane and tell you whether people were missing the roof before the hurricane for insurance fraud. I mean, there are tons of business applications from space today. Uh, look at how you can monitor today uh, tractors from companies like Caterpillar. They monitor them from space and see if they need an oil change when they when they break down. It's uh, there's uh, lots of uses that could be done today uh, from space that weren't cost effective ten years ago. So between SpaceX lowering the cost of a ride to space and people like us lowering the cost of building the satellites, it's really a great combination. Definitely. Could you also get a bit into the life cycle of each satellite that you put up? Just how quickly do they pay themselves back and what kinds of improvements do you expect to be able to achieve with each new generation? Well, every satellite we launch is a new generation because it's just like, you know, the goal is to design, build and launch while my iPhone is still being manufactured. And, you know, it's so it's 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 responsive space is what we used to call it. Um, it changes because you know, from the government side, there's no economic value. It's national security value. But from customers doing it, it you know, lowers their cost of operations or it gives them access to new business intelligence or it makes the world a better place. So there's lots of me metrics people can use to measure the return of the satellites. But the important part is from low earth orbit with low cost satellites, you can have a return. It's not the old days where everyone builds a constellation and they all went bankrupt a year later. And this is all about it's low, it's low enough cost to go ahead and do great things and have it be cost effective and profitable. The one thing I'll add to that is I think the um, it, it is cost effective and profitable to get the satellites to space now and to, and to use them. And I think the model that um, Terran Orbital is going to employ is also a really uh, is, is a high margin, high growth um, model. Right. It's it's true. Satellite as a service right, or data as a service model. Right. We will build and and launch the um, the constellation and then bring customers into that constellation to use it for a period of time to rent it in effect right and provide it as a service solution and that is a um, that's a that's a very different and also a much better business model than what was um, available in the past and, and moving back to the SPAC on the transaction side of things you know uh, you, you mentioned that you, you have other sources of capital outside of this transaction, but uh, this deal also does include both equity and debt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to someone who looks at this and just seeing the various different um, kind of use of proceeds and, and some of the CapEx expenditures and things like that and says, well, you know, uh, why would this not be handled in more of a project finance sort of situation? Uh, why not bring the, uh, the money in a different way? I mean, just sort of, could you both sort of talk about why the, the SPAC structure, you know, is really adding something in addition to the, the capital that the, that the deal brings? I mean, the great part about the structure is we're using all different mechanisms to bring capital into the business. You've got, you, you have your pipe, you have debt, you have a credit line, you've got equity. So we're really hitting on all the different options, ways to do this. And capital, you have capitalist financing with uh, Space Florida. So we're really using a variety of ways to capitalize the business, but in a smart way. You know, to have the least amount of dilution at the end of the day, to get to help making sure that we have the right closing that we want. And it's, you know, it's, about, man it's about managing our balance sheet in the right way. What we wanted to build, we're all acutely aware of some of the challenges in the SPAC market right now in terms of getting <laughs> um, uh, getting to a closing, getting redemption levels at the right level, at a low level, et cetera, right? And so we built a an ecosystem, if you will, right, um, using all the tools that Mark just described that we believe will um, ensure that this transaction get closed and that we deliver the capital to the company that the company needs. 
And you mentioned, you know, the, the broader SPAC market. I mean, there's a couple of things that's gone on in the, over the last, well, more than a couple of things in the SPAC market have gone on the, over the past year. But, but one of them is around this time last year, there were very few pure play space companies that were publicly listed. Uh, and now, largely thanks to SPACs, there is a real cohort out there. And so from your perspective, Matt, what are some of the important financial metrics that you use when comparing these companies? And which were the ones that were instructive for you in terms of assessing evaluation for Terran Orbital? So we think we came to a really fair valuation um, with Mark and his team, right? And it was it was driven by the the size of the market that they were operating in. Their, um, you know, what I described as a revolutionary approach to the market, right? And from a um, uh, from a service perspective, um, and then their and then their needs, right? Their capital needs, right? And so we were able to um, meld all of those factors together. Uh, and and um, and get to get to a transaction. I think you know the from a from a valuation perspective, um, we looked at uh, future revenue potential, future um, margin, um, how their margins will look different from some of the other um, space launch companies out there um, because of their service aspect, things like that. So I think you know, but good, strong, fundamental bottoms up um, approach to understanding the business. Um, and understanding the broader opportunity and then, and then, you know, sitting down with Mark and his team and, and working towards a deal. And Matt, could you also give us an update on the timeline for the Ter- Terran Orbital transaction? Sure. So um, we are, uh, we have filed an S4. We have refiled an S4 now. Um, so we've gone through our first round of comments with the SEC. We're uh, waiting for um, the return of those comments. Um, and we are um, eager to, to get towards a closing. So you never, you never, we, we can't, we can't really give a definitive timeline because it's, it's not, uh, not under our control necessarily, but um, we have, uh, you know, good productive um, conversation and dialogue through our councils going on with the, um, the SEC examiners at this point. We have, we have an expectation that it'll be um, sometime in uh, uh, Q2, I think I can say. So. Okay. Got it. And for Mark, what would you say are the advantages that come with being a public company that you're most excited to leverage? We've done this many times before and, you know, being public, we have access to capital markets. You know, you have much easier access to the capital markets and that is the biggest, for us, we're a capital intensive business. We're doing, we're growing at a very, very rapid rate. And we're gonna need capital to continue to grow and being public gives us the easiest access to it. The capital we need at the lowest cost. Great. Well, this is certainly a, yet another really interesting company that we're seeing now set to hit the markets, uh, as we now know, uh, in Q2, you know, most likely um, through SPACs. Uh, and I, I, it's always great to have both sides of the deal on, on the conversation as well. I really appreciate uh, both Mark and Matt you, you being on to talk to us about this. And, uh, and we're really looking forward to see what you guys are able to put together post-close, too. Great. Well, thank you very much for having us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank right. you. Really enjoy the time.